Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers, invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 187th edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises, an information technology, cybersecurity, and digital forensics firm in Fairfax, Virginia. And I'm Jim Calloway, director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Today, our topic is what generative AI means for the law firm business model. Our guest today is Jordan Furlong, a strategic consultant and market analyst for the legal sector. He studies trends in the global legal market and tracks them with technological and geopolitical developments worldwide to paint a picture of how the legal world is changing and where it's headed next. Jordan has spoken to thousands of lawyers and legal professionals at dozens of conferences over the last 15 years, and he publishes a very good free weekly newsletter at Substack. Thanks for joining us today, Jordan. Jim and Sharon, thank you so much. It is fantastic to be here. Let's start. We have kind of two sentences here, so I'll roll them together. Jordan, what do you mean when you refer to the law firm business model, and what are the current business features of law firms that you think will change because of generative AI? Sharon, thank you. Yeah, the the whole term, uh, the law firm business model, is is kind of a, a term of art. So, to to be clear, I'm talking here now of the kind of traditional general approach that most law firms use for their revenue generation, which is lawyers do work for clients. They bill the client the number of hours they work times their billable rate. Right, and not every firm does this, and not all legal work is done this way. But as a general rule, that's what we're talking about. And it's this model, I think, that generative AI is going to wreak some havoc with. The first and most obvious is Gen AI is going to reduce the amount of time it takes to do any number of legal tasks. And this is almost anything right now involving the creation and review of documents and, and contracts, legal research, contract analysis, even some litigation analysis. In a few cases, it will completely take over the task, but I think in most cases, it'll just kind of shorten or compress the amount of time required. And and this shortening and compressing is going to intensify as the AI inevitably gets better and quickly, and human lawyers won't need to do as much fact-checking and review of its work. So the first change will simply be that as legal work gets done faster, there will be fewer hours to bill for each matter. And so that's going to be a hit to, to revenue the way law firms generate it. Secondly, it matters whose work is getting shortened and compressed because for the most part in law firms, it's going to be junior lawyers and associates because they're the ones doing the lower level, lower value work that falls to less experienced people. And in the traditional business model for law firms, the leverage model means that partners will profit off of associates by selling the client every hour the associate or junior works for less money than they're being paid. So if there's fewer associate hours, profit's going to go down. And then thirdly, the change that we're going to see in terms of how juniors are trained, and I use that word very loosely (laughs) on entry-level work, this is how most law firms train new lawyers. You get them doing this kind of grunt work like document drafting and, and research and review and so forth, so they learn the ropes of being a lawyer. But as that work gets consumed by Gen AI, now how does a firm train its juniors? 
So these are just some of the issues that I, I think we're going to start seeing unfold in uh, not not in a, in a case of weeks or months, but certainly in a matter of a few short years. Absolutely. Jordan, let's start with time-based revenue issues. Is this yet another prediction that the billable hour will die? I remember making some of those predictions a couple of decades ago, <laughs> and they don't seem to have been correct so far. Absolutely. And I've, I'm guilty. I've made those predictions as well. I've now concluded the billable hour will never die. It will be around until the sun goes nova, you know. <laughs> billable hours and Twinkies, that's, that's, that's all that's going to be left. And you know what? Honestly, as a pricing mechanism, the billable hour does make sense sometimes. You know, you get a new relationship with a lawyer and a client. They don't really know each other. They haven't fought each other out. Or if it's a really kind of novel, unique situation, no one really knows what kind of price to put on it, then sure. We make up an hourly rate and use that until they come up with something better. I think the reason that myself and, and, and you folks and many other people have hoped for and rooted for the death of the billable hour is partly that it has been so toxic to clients, right? Because a client, as we all know, has no idea how much they're paying for a legal service and won't know until the service is completed, which as a friend of mine in the business said, it's like you take a flight somewhere and when you land, they tell you what the fare was. Right. And you got to pay it right there, <laughs> you know, and partly it's toxic to lawyers, as we all know all too well. It creates incentives to overwork yourself at the cost of your physical and mental health. It creates very negative incentive situations inside of law firms and so forth. So but when Gen AI comes at the billable hour, it's not going to come at it from these angles at all because it's not going to care. I think fundamentally, generative AI is going to make so much legal work so efficient and, and like whether law firms like it or not, whether lawyers like it or not, it's going to take so many hours out of all law firms' inventory, it's simply not going to make economic sense for the firm to build by the hour anymore. Because fundamentally, why would you build your work on the basis of time spent when you were spending less and less time doing that work every day? Well, whatever else you might say about the billable hour, Jordan, at least it's easy for everyone to understand. So why would firms want to take on a more difficult and challenging valuation system? Yeah, it, it's a good question, right? Because, you know, the, the path of least resistance is the most well-trod path in law firms and has been for, since forever, you know. Uh, but, but here's the thing about the billable hour, and I think this is the real reason why it's been around for so long. I, I think it is really useful as a proxy for the value that's rendered by a lawyer for their client in any given case, right? Because the client in, in, in most matters, they can't tell you how much a legal service is worth to them, right? Okay, sure, if you're suing somebody for $50,000 and the lawyer helps you win the case, sure, the value of the, those services will be some portion of 50 grand, okay? But what's a last will and testament worth? Right? What what is what's it worth to successfully immigrate to a country or 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 to get a suspended sentence instead of a jail term? Right? The client doesn't know. The lawyer doesn't know. So the billable hour, I think, is has been a kind of a rough solution to that. It has kind of equalized the value of the lawyer's time and effort with the client's need and solution. And I think that kind of basically lines up with their general sense of how things work in the world. Right? You work hard at something. That's a measure and a reflection of what you should get paid for it. But again, I think Gen AI is really going to cut the legs out from under that because it is going to automate legal tasks and augment legal tasks so fully that the value of the work is going to it's going to radically diverge from the amount of time required to do it. The proxy equation is not going to work anymore. 
And I think because of that, lawyers are simply going to say, I'm, I'm not putting up with that. I'm not getting paid what I'm worth. I'm putting in lots of work and lots of mental work and, and emotional energy and so forth. But the, the amount of time it's taken me to do it is much less than it was. And I think lawyers simply will not want to get paid so little for something that everyone knows is worth a lot more. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think as a pricing mechanism, the, the billable hour will survive, but it will dwindle to a reasonably small minority of specialized legal matters. But beyond that, I think it's, to, to my mind, I'm pretty confident the day is coming when it will be only one in a, in a not very often used method of pricing legal work. But what about the leverage lawyer aspect of this? If law firms can't make money off their associates, I mean, why even hire them? And then <laughs> where do the firm's future leaders come from? Well, yeah, you know, and, and I've been kind of hearing variations on those questions from law firms, right, and, and, and from managing partners. And, and and this is where it gets interesting, right, because because the implications of generative AI kind of ripple throughout the whole throughout the business. It's not just on the financial side. So, so this is my theory of associates and law firms. Law firms hire and employ associates, new lawyers, for only two reasons, right? That they all generate truckloads of cash <laughs> as leverage labor, <laughs> right? And that a handful of them one day will, you know, pony up a whole lot of money, buy into the partnership and become part of the, the equity partnership with the firm. But only a very small few ever get invited to the partnership, right? And, and it's well known by now, I mean, this is a separate conversation, but this generation of associates and young, young lawyers has less interest in becoming full equity partners in law firms than any generation that came before. It's certainly mine, and I think certainly, you know, your guys. But the firms have said, no, that's great, that's fine. We'll hire a bunch of associates, right, on day one, and we'll let them compete against each other, you know, hunger games and the law firm. You know, you're out, you're out working each other, you're out earning each other. And in six, eight, ten years' time, we'll take the survivors into the partnership, and the you know the circle of life continues, Simba, because everybody else will have left either because they quit or we fire them. And and again, that's worked pretty well because this attrition process, which has extended longer and longer over the years, means you can just make these you can make more money off these associates for a longer period of time. So, again, this seems to me generative AI is going to take down, as I've mentioned, the leverage labor system because it's going to take fewer hours and fewer minutes and fewer time and less time and effort for lawyers to get work done. And if you're not really making a lot of money off all of these grazing herds of associates you've got in your law firm, then the only reason left to hire them is because you need partners down the road. You need people to refresh the capital and buy into the partnership and replace the retiring partners. But you don't need, you know, if you've got 10 associates, you don't need 10 partners down the road, right? You don't want 10 partners. It's going to dilute your profits. You know, you probably only want two or three. So you're probably going to hire a lot fewer associates than you once did. And, and maybe that makes good economic sense for the law firm. It's going to be a problem for new lawyers, I fear. It's going to be a huge problem for law schools. Because, you know, again, separate conversation, but their business model, as far as I can tell, is just churning out as many new graduates into this wood chipper system the law firms have. And if that system goes down, it's not clear to me, you know, the law, law schools are in a volume business. And I think volume, at least in the short term, is going to take a hit when it comes to the number of lawyers entering law firms. And on that happy note, before we move <laughs> on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. 
Be the best resource you can for your Spanish-speaking clients with the Spanish Group's Legal Translation Service. Experienced translators ensure accurate translation of your documents with same-day delivery. Confidentiality is ensured, and the Spanish Group guarantees acceptance for certified translations. All that, and their rates are competitive. If you need other languages, the Spanish Group translates in over 140 languages. Mention Legal Talk 20 when you request your quote for 20% off your first translation. Visit thespanishgroup.org. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is what generative AI means for the law firm business model. Our guest today is Jordan Furlong, a strategic consultant and market analyst for the legal sector. He studies trends in the global legal market and tracks them with technological and geopolitical developments worldwide to paint a picture of how the legal world is changing and where it's headed next. Jordan has spoken to thousands of lawyers and legal professionals at dozens of conferences and retreats worldwide over the last 15 years. He publishes a free weekly newsletter at Substack. Jordan, let's talk about the question of training and developing new lawyers in smaller numbers, as you point out. Are the firms really going to have to build expensive brand new training programs for their young lawyers? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of brings us back to the whole thing about training, right? You know, and, and as I said before, whenever I hear law firms talk about training, I always think of Inigo Montoya, right? I don't think that word means what you think it means, right? If you look at other businesses and, and industries and, and professions and, and what they do under training, and you compare that to what we do, like you really see how far behind the curve we are. Right, like you, you, you don't train new surgeons by having them spend five years in clinic with a tongue compressor saying, "I, you know, say ah." Right, you, you train new professionals in the kind of work and the kind of techniques that advanced professionals will use to deliver their high-end value. So, I think there's been very little pedagogical value for lawyers in them spending the first few years of their careers, or if you're in a big firm, maybe the first several years of your careers, doing this basic work, kind of grunt work, you're never going to do again once you become a senior practitioner, right? That's not training. So my view is, yeah, actually, all law firms should develop expensive training programs for their young lawyers or sign them up to an outsourced training program. I think they should have done that decades ago, right? I, I have, I have honestly, very little sympathy for the law firms to say, well, you know, you mean we have to train our own employees now? Yeah, <laughs> right? And and they get so upset when I tell them this, right? You know, you're not going to be able to build the work of your new lawyers anywhere close to what you're used to, but who's going to pay for their training? I don't know, you, <laughs> the employer? You know, just spitballing here. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy that this is so deeply entrenched in the culture of law firms. The real world does not work that way. What other aspects of law firm business do you think Gen AI might affect? 
it's kind of related to training, but I think it's it it's also touches on the kind of things we value in lawyers. Because right now, the incentive system and systems inside law firms are going to drive certain kinds of behaviors among lawyers, and it's going to discourage uh, certain other kinds. And 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 since in most law firms, the only two things that really matter to your career advancement are bringing in business and 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 sending out hours of work then you are naturally going to produce these skewed kind of, you know, personalities and people and, and tactics and, and behaviors that, again, wouldn't really fit in any other kind of operation. So what I've been writing about a little bit is I think there's a real opportunity for us to rethink skills in the legal profession and in law firms. And and one of the little soapboxes I like to jump up on every so often is how much I hate the term soft skills. And I hear this used all the time, right? So I say, oh, well, I guess I guess we have to teach lawyers soft skills these days. I said, don't call them that. They're they're really difficult <laughs> and they're really important. They're not, you know, soft skills makes it sound like it's, you know, second or, or third rate. I don't call them soft and hard skills. I call them human and technical skills. And I think both are important. I do a fair bit of work in terms of advising and working with regulators in terms of licensing and competence and and trying to talk to law schools, and a couple of them are listening. But the but the point I try to make is that, look, you need both sets. You need the technical skills of, of knowing how to do lawyer stuff, but you need the human skills to be a human being in a very important and, and challenging and oftentimes emotionally draining line of work. And these are both important. Again, going back to Gen AI, Gen AI, the technical skills, the kind of stuff that we're accustomed to to lawyers doing, you know, the document creation and the review and the research and so forth, Gen AI is going to take a lot of that stuff. It's not going to take the human skills. It's not going to take the listening and the caring about what your client's up to and the empathy and the ability to communicate and to manage other people and to relate to other people and to read a room and all all the things you need a lawyer to be able to do properly to advocate and advise. So I would like to think that as a secondary or tertiary effect of these changes, law firms will start to appreciate more the importance of the human skills and will align their own systems and their own incentive approaches to, to match that. We've talked, Jordan, about all the downsides and the difficulties that Gen AI will pose to law firms. Tell us there's an upside somewhere. <laughs> oh, oh, I think there's a massive upside. Honestly, right? The easy stuff to see, and, and this is where most of the stuff that's been written, and I've written about it too, is is on the, the, the kind of downsides and the risks and the worries. But there's there's at least two sides to the coin of generative AI. I mean, there could be several sides, in which case it's a it's it's something else. It's not a coin, but whatever. But on the one side, there's there's the efficiency play, right? And when we talked at some length about what's what's gonna do in that side, inventory and workflow and hiring. But I think there's also the value creation play. Now, Gen AI, if you've had a chance to play with it at all, you'll know it's an incredibly fun and creative device, right? And you can use it in so many different ways in law firms that are not being used today. One example I gave the other day to someone, you can use it uh, to supplement your training, right? You can have Gen AI role play a client or an opposing counsel or, or a judge and have the lawyer try out your arguments and, and your sales pitches and, and, and so forth. You know, give it a try and see what kind of answers you get back. And 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 this is immensely helpful, right? It's it's a safe space for you to work out with a highly sophisticated engine ways in which you can or can't or should should or shouldn't relate to a situation. You can use it to come up with 
a lot of higher value offerings to clients. The the assessment of strategic risk, the identification of new business opportunities, right? Ways to look at the client situation differently. Lawyers are always talking about how we love the bet the company work, right? From clients. Anyway, and I used to make the argument pre-AI that what you should be looking for as a law firm, look for the run the company work, right? Because there's way more of it. It's a lot more stable. You can automate it. You can mechanize it. You can scale it. It's immensely profitable. That's what the big four have been looking at to the extent they're interested in, focused on in this area. But thanks to Gen AI, I think we now have a third category for category going forward, and that's grow the company work. And it doesn't have to be a company, right? It could be any client. How can I improve your situation, your, your business situation, your life situation? How can I help you anticipate problems and prevent them before they happen? How do I bring, bring, bring some more stability, peace of mind? We always talk about lawyers, our highest calling is to be advocates and, and, and counselors and, and trusted advisors. And that's great, right? And that is our highest calling. That is always the kind of stuff that we should have been doing. Not all the billable hour cranking out the machine stuff. Right? But we've never pursued that to the degree that we should have before. Well, I think we have the opportunity now. Probably AI is not giving us much choice in the matter. And we have this extremely cool creative machine that can help us do with it. So, yeah, I think now is a great time to start zooming up that value chain. I think it's going to be a lot of fun when we get there. Well, following up on that, what steps should law firms take right now to start preparing for whatever Gen AI throws at them? Both formally and informally, experiment with it. Use it, play with it. When I say formally, I mean what some law firms have done. They, they, they've, they've kind of set up, and, and you don't need to spend a huge amount of money. You don't have to. You can if you want. You can go to Microsoft and 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 get co-counsel from formerly Case Text into your office and and run all sorts of do things that way. And you can even, I mean, if you've got a legally trained large language model like co-counsel or or, or Lexis AI Plus or other offerings that are out there right now and are, are going to come fast, great. You can feel confident in using that for your client-facing work and, and your legal work. But even on, on the short term, you know, you can you, you can find advisors who can help you set up almost a little sandbox or a playpen for a place. It's, it is very safe. You're not sacrificing or risking confidential client documents. You're not doing any of that, but you are showing your lawyers and your staff, this is not a lawyer-only thing. These are the ways in which you can use this stuff. And I tell them to experiment and try things and come up with develop prompts. I mean, we're still in the prompt engineering phase where we have to be we have to kind of design how we ask our questions of Gen AI so we get the best responses. I tend to think that's a transitional phase. I think in a couple of years that's not going to matter, but fine, you can still do that. But come up with use cases, right? To the extent you can bring clients in on a very informal basis, do that as well and sort of say, "Hey, what could we do with this? How could we make things work for you?" I think getting people exposed to it, knocking down the myths, getting people past their fear, getting them past because, you know, every conversation I have about Gen AI, someone says, well, "What about that lawyer in New York who submitted that thing to the judge and the cases weren't real?" I say, "Yeah, that was really stupid. <laughs> and and <laughs> that's not how you use generative AI. Can we be any more clear about that? Right? But getting lawyers past that degree of trepidation and worry and risk and let them play with it. I really honestly think lawyers are going to love this because it is fun. It's, it is, as I said, the very first time I wrote about it, I said, it is a language and knowledge machine. And lawyers are in the language and knowledge business. So yeah, play with it, run with it. And then as time goes by and it will not take much time, you will find the opportunities and the applications that you can use for this. So yeah, get after it and have some fun with it. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. 
filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is what generative AI means for the law firm business model. Our guest is Jordan Furlong, a strategic consultant and market analyst for the legal sector. He studies trends in the global legal market and tracks them with technological and geopolitical developments worldwide to paint a picture of how the legal world is changing and where it's headed next. Jordan has spoken to thousands of lawyers and legal professionals at dozens of conferences and retreats worldwide over the last 15 years. He publishes a free weekly newsletter at Substack. Jordan, we've talked about what lawyers should do to prepare for Gen AI. Conversely, is there anything law firms should not do in this regard? Well, you know, at at this stage, the wisest course is avoid the extremes. And one extreme, it's, you know, I want nothing to do with this. It's unsafe. It's risky. It's unprofessional. We don't need any of that kind of stuff. Like outright forbid people from from using it in any way. I just think that's business suicide for, for a law firm or for any business right now to, to say, I'm not going to take advantage of any technological tool. There will be people within law firms who take that approach and they will not all, but largely be people who are a little bit older and a little more experienced. And and I think for them, they see all the risk. They see especially the reputational risk, which is extremely important for them to avoid. But I really think that as a firm, it's important not to let those voices dictate and guide. It is extremely important that your firm starts figuring out what all of the, what what all of this is is going to involve, and at the other end, obviously, do not dive fully into this pool with both with both feet. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> and not just because of yes, there are some risks there for sure, and and you got to be really careful with anything involving client data. The clients themselves have some very strong strong views about that, but also because this whole area is moving so fast. I mean, a lot of the engines we've got out there now are built on GPT-4. We're going to see other versions of GPT coming out of OpenAI. We're going to see other versions of large language models coming from other providers. Google Gemini is the buzz term now at the moment. People are expecting great things when that comes out, and then something else will come down the road and overtake that. So so I, I would be reluctant to build a very large, expensive, and inflexible foundation on a particular edition of this technology that hasn't yet fully evolved. So, so once again, I, 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 for me, flexibility, open-mindedness, you know, yes, keep an eye out for the risks, but more so than lawyers are comfortable with doing traditionally, open yourself to the opportunities. I think they are manifold. Jordan, let's take out your crystal ball and discuss what the future holds for Gen AI in the law. We're still in the first year of the announcement of ChatGPT. So what does this conversation look like in 10 years' time or 20? 
Oh boy, that's that is extremely tough to say. Just just because I, things are things are going to change, obviously, really fast and in ways and down tracks we can't we can't foresee. And also, generative AI, of course, is not the only kind of AI that's out there. We're seeing remarkable advances in all kinds in all kinds of areas and all kinds of directions. Law, I think, is particularly vulnerable to what generative AI does because we are, as I said before, in the business of of words and, and language and meaning and 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 especially in the, in in documents, right? I don't think chiropractors are nearly as concerned about generative AI as, as we are, nor nor should they. The guy in the work on the construction site across from me, same thing. The hope that I have is that the real advantage technology, and AI in particular, holds for us, for me, it strips away a lot of the accoutrements, a lot of the unnecessary stuff. We've been trailing around as a profession for so long. We've become captive to the stupid business model that says how much you get paid depends on how long you work. That Maybe that made sense in the 1870s. It doesn't make sense today, and it hasn't for a long time. Lawyers, I really feel when I think of lawyers today, I think of lawyers as encumbered, heavily encumbered and burdened with all these unnecessary requirements and incentives and 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 cultural accretions. And I just want technology and other developments to blow them off, blow them away. So it's just us, right? It's just us as the caring professionals, the knowledge, the knowledgeable advisors and advocates who will get in there with the client and say, I'm on your side. I'm here to make things better for you. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. And it doesn't matter if you know you and I can't come up with a evaluation for what a better life for you looks like. You know what? We'll figure that stuff out. But but I think the level of satisfaction that we could raise the amount of, the amount that we could raise the level of satisfaction in the legal profession, I think, is extraordinary by by way of letting the machines do the machine work, let the processes do the process work. We do the human work, and and the more that we are acting like humans and working with humans and and getting in touch with our our own personalities and our character and our integrity, that to me that's the future. Of, of the law that I want to see. And I think Gen AI can help us, among other things, take us there. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. You are an exciting and provocative speaker, and I really enjoy all that you have gone through with us today. It was very thoughtful and I think really helpful for our listeners. In fact, I wouldn't listen to this once. I'd listen at least twice and take notes (laughs) because there's a lot of really good advice for lawyers here. So again, Jim and I are very thankful that you were with us today, Jordan. Thank you so much, Sharon and Jim. As always, a tremendous pleasure to work with you. That does it for this edition of the Digital Edge, Lawyers and Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all of the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Ms. Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening to The Digital Edge, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. 
Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.